My name is Jenna. Just Jenna. I don't have to say anything more because this is, after all, just a dream. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where Brent and I read and talk about the Animorph books. This is book 41, The Familiar. After a bad battle where Jake abandons two of his team members, he wakes up as an adult in a future New York. The Yerks have won and everything is shit. He finds a war-hardened Cassie after a terrorist attack and she recruits him for her revolutionary gang. Jake learns the Yerks are planning to turn the moon into a Candrona ray, but he's on the team setting it up so he can sabotage it. He goes on some Alice in Wonderland adventures and eventually meets Tobias, now an adult Andalite Nothlet, and Rachel, now a scarred-up amputee. Jake is forced to choose between Cassie and stopping the Moonray several times, going for Cassie each time until... He wakes up. Anyway, it was all just a dream vision from some faceless, nameless aliens fucking around with Jake. Brent, do you think this book is called The Familiar because it's so similar to Megamorphs 4 that it felt really familiar? Uh, I, I, You beat me to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is. Uh, this book is Megamorphs 4, except not as competently executed and not as long. It just sort of... I, this, this book was fine. I think I'd have enjoyed it more if it had come a little bit before or a little bit after Megamorphs, but it's hard not to compare it to Megamorphs. Yeah, that's the problem, since it came right after the Megamorphs, where Jake uh, makes a choice that fucks up the timeline and learns an important lesson about how what they do matters, and it's all because of uh, invisible god aliens. Hmm. It, it It's an awful lot coming right after Megamorphs 4, because I don't- I think we're judging this a little harshly a little more harshly than we would if it was not just right after that. Yeah, I felt that way. Like reading it, it's pretty engaging, except for when it starts to f- sort of fall apart. Like this this book does a lot of things and it sort of lampshades them as because it's just a dream. But it's sort of like annoying. <laughs> it's sort of like annoying bullshit because it's like, like Jake goes into the future but doesn't try morphing until like halfway through the book and it's like well that doesn't seem real and he can sometimes morph and sometimes not and it's like if you're not going to bother to have an internal logic to your own story and you're justifying it because it's all a dream then that's very annoying (laughs) it's just not good writing i mean dream simulation same thing basically but but yeah uh this is And I know I say this a lot, but this is another book that I think was hamstrung by the size constraints on monthly scholastic young adult novels, because this could have been something if it had had about two to three times as much space to build things that I care about and engage me, because it was almost there. But as it was, it's just not anything. Megamorphs 4 was just so good that... You throw this out afterwards, and it's like, well, but you're not as good, though. Yeah, yeah, you're not as good, and you don't quite 
commit. I mean, I I love any alternate reality yeah, story. It's a cool dystopian future. It is. It is very much that. It's set in New York, and there's all sorts of call-outs to places that I've been to now, which is very personally exciting for me. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah, why New York is a question that I kept asking <gasps> myself. What is the... Why New York? I mean, it's a great question, especially since we know they're in California. Mm-hmm. It, it is weird that they're just suddenly in New York for no reason other than, I mean... I mean, it doesn't even make sense for, for the storyline or the, the timeline they're in. If the invasion starts in California, why would that not be the center of all their operations anyway? I don't know. I think there's some allusion to the fact that the rest of the world is pretty much a burnt out husk. Do I, Am I remembering that right? But there's definitely some implication that there's a lot of uh, wasteland. Yeah, and that there are like groups of survivors who might not be infested out there. Yeah, in the country, like the mountain taxons. Yeah, but it's mountain people. Um, I have to wonder if maybe it's not set in New York, because that's just the only map that the aliens had loaded into their simulation, and they didn't want to <laughs> spend a lot of money to build a whole copy of fucking San Francisco or, or wherever they're at. They're like, you know what? Stick him in dystopia in New York. We've already got it. It's fine. Just reskin the leader as Marco. Who cares? I actually really like that. Brent, you're making me like this book more. <laughs> well, you have to think, this can't, Jake can't be the only dude that they've done this to, right? I mean, humans can't even be the only species that they've done this to, but but, but these fuck-around aliens who are <laughs> studying humans for whatever reason, they, Jake can't be the only one. So they're like, well, we we do need to check all these dudes out, but we, we don't want to spend a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, work smarter, not harder. We just, you know, we bought New York on the Unity Asset Store. <laughs> I get that. I respect that a lot. Yeah, I, I have sympathy for that for sure. Yeah, so I think it's like the the Chrysler Building. Is that what they turn into the Moonray? Oh yes, the Chrysler <laughs> Building Moonray. I believe is a phrase that both of us wrote down because the Yerks in this have a brilliant plan to turn the moon. Into a sun. Uh, it is a Kindrona sun, like the one in the Yerkhome system, so that they'll just get um, a, a, a nightly shower of Kindrona. I don't know how it works exactly, turning the moon into a sun, and I don't know how it works exactly, having a sun of any kind that close to the Earth seems dangerous. Yeah. Like, for, for gravity reasons. <laughs> And, I mean, there's a lot of questions about how the Chrysler building becomes a moon ray that I don't think we'll ever get answered, Brent. Uh, I, I have to wonder if maybe in the Animorphsverse, it's not a flat Earth setup where there is no gravity. <laughs> uh, so turning the moon into a sun doesn't do anything to to pull the planet in because planets aren't real, man. We're just a disk with an ice wall. Yeah. Yeah, we're just like a dome ship, but without the dome. You know what I mean? Right, and space, that's not even real. No. I, mm, I think we've poked some holes in this. <laughs> so uh, I forgot to say earlier, but this uh, book was ghostwritten by Ellen Guru, uh, who also wrote 33, 43, 45, and 47. If you recall from uh, book 33, when we talked about her a little, she was the person that uh, Kay Applegate and her husband hired to bring them cookies after their son was born. Uh, and then she ended up being like one of their most prolific ghostwriters. And I 
feel like we didn't care much for book 33 either, and I feel a little bad about that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know book 33 was a, a Tobias POV. I don't remember what it was. Uh, Should have looked this up before we started recording. It's not important. That was the one with Taylor. Ah, uh, fuck, Brent. Yeah, that was the Tobias torture porn book. Yeah, 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 yeah. This book was. I liked this book more than that one. Mm-hmm. I again, I would like it more if it weren't. It just seems like it seems like maybe there is a wacky mishap where maybe Ellen accidentally was handed the oh, outline shit. for Megamorph and she wrote the book and then turned it in and they were like, oh, this is not the outline for book 41. Yeah. And, and I I feel like maybe we sometimes come off as a little hard on some of the ghostwriters. Uh, but for the most part, we uh, or, or I don't have any complaints about the competency of their writing uh they're they're kind of stuck with the outline they're handed so yeah yeah in the most literal sense <laughs> but yeah, yeah i feel I, the same way like this book was well written yeah it was engaging a lot of times but then it did stuff like like you had like rachel who was scarred all up and like missing like both of her legs <sighs> and her arm yeah, but and Yerkes it's like took her legs in fort lauderdale <laughs> and they and it's like I guess they have some sort of anti-morphing thing because that's just a thing you can morph away. And it's like, is that a plot hole or is that some weird dream simulation hiccup or what? Yeah, I it's think it's just frustrating. I think it's a plot hole in the simulation because Jake mm. actually thinks to himself, "Why hasn't she morphed to heal herself?" And I think there's a there's times when Jake can morph in the sim and times when he can't. And times when he doesn't even seem to think of it, which I think is a very dreamlike uh, outlook. Yeah, and, and you see as it progresses, things sort of falling more and more apart. Like initially, he's referred to by the name of the Yurk that's supposedly controlling him, and then as Essek. it goes on, everybody, yeah, everybody just keeps calling him Jake. Yeah. Oh, and he sees his dad. His dad is a controller and is like the guard of the area, which was a weird moment. Yeah, because he actually comments on, oh, what a coincidence <laughs> that we would run into each other in this huge city on the other side of the country from where we live. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, Yeah. So, the yeah, as it goes on and then he starts, you know, he starts having hallucinations like the simulations glitching. He... I guess clips through the floor and starts tumbling <laughs> along with a random howler model that happened to be there and David as a rat uh, and some Lirans. Uh So things start falling apart. He's sort of intuiting that this isn't real exactly as we know it, but uh, as Marco points out, he does still feel pain, so... <laughs> yeah. Evil Marco. Yes. Con controller Visor 3 or Visor 2, unclear because simulation. Marco... <laughs> is one of them yeah right they uh they, they wrote this in in q continuum style alien language and then paid a translation house very little money to uh <laughs> to get it over so there's a lot of little m minutes like that yeah it's it, it's just sort of like we don't it's clear that something weird is happening because he's in the future and it does feel like some some illamist bullshit but we don't get this is the most frustrating thing we don't get any information about what's actually happening it's just that it's definitely something fake 
And then at the end, he gets spoken to by some nameless, faceless, not even talked to, talked about mm-hmm. out loud by some aliens. And we don't get any information about who they are or what it is. And I, I get the feeling that's supposed to be like harrowing, like that they're non-Illimist or Krayak Q-style god figures that are also fucking around. But in actuality, it was just frustrating. I like that sort of fits in with your theory about the wacky mix-up with Ellen Guru being handed the outline for Megamorphs 4 <laughs> and being like, well, this is a whole lot. I, I better I better squish this down so I can fit it. Uh, and then when she turns in the draft, whoever's going over it says, oh, you can't have the Elemist and Krayak doing this. We just did that. <laughs> He's like, well, how else do you do it? And they're like, ah someone else it's just file the serial numbers off it's the gobots to the elemis transformers i mean that's yeah that really is what it is we just get no context and presumably i i assume and i'll put i'll put my bet down on this i assume we never hear anything about these creatures or this situation again i have to admit, I went and looked up this book in Seropedia after I read it to see if these voices were named. And it's unclear because the article is flagged as needing a, a rewrite. But I didn't mm. see anything there about them ever showing up again. And that's frustrating. This late in the series. That's the sort of thing you expect from a season one throwaway episode <laughs> where they planned to do something with it and then just never did. Uh, by book 41 in a 54 book series, if they don't show back up again, it's going to be like, what What are you doing? How did this happen? It does feel like between Megamorphs 4 and this book, it, 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 it feels like we're reaching the end game because all of the Animorphs are getting real burnt out. That is definitely a sense that you get. That is something that was done real well in this, I think, was how fraying the group is. Uh, the the whole scene at the beginning, where after they barely escape, Rachel and Marco are going at it, um, and Cassie is just like can't can't deal with the fact that she just like killed six Horkbajir or something, and and when is this gonna stop? And they're like one of them just stops in the middle of traffic while they're running away, and they're yeah. all they're fucking falling apart. Tobias just nopes out; he can't, and it's all sort of they're all just sort of falling apart. And that's that feels very appropriate for this stage of their guerrilla resistance. Yeah, it, it feels like we're starting to transition to the. I mean, I mean, and we are the latter part of the series where things are starting to come to a head, which I think is part of why this book feels so incongruous because nothing in this book matters really. I kept trying to struggle with with moments and being like well this is a really interesting thing that they're doing but also it doesn't it doesn't i don't know if it's canon or if it's just a part of this glitch or or whatnot it's a little frustrating and and to introduce a big player this late in the game because i feel like all the pieces are already on the table we've got the yurk empire we have the andalite we have the andalite nato uh (laughs) and (laughs) and uh we have the elemist and krayak and the drode um, and to some extent, I guess the howlers and the chi, and it, I mean, you got the free hork bajir colony, but but at, at this point, introducing another player on the level of the Elevister Krayak seems strange. Yeah, and there was there was a part early on in this book, or actually, it was after Adult Jake meets Cassie, 
um, who is just mm. not not fucking around anymore. Morality is dead. Yeah, she has filled up her violence gauge with hardened notches. That's a joke for you Unknown Armies fans out there. <laughs> she tells him about what happened in this timeline, and she's like, yeah, Tom figured out that something was weird with you after you didn't do good cover when you came home from a battle, and it captured you and and killed or enslaved the rest of us. Uh and it was just like a matter of weeks after that before the rest of the earth fell. And I thought that was super interesting because that's a really strong confirmation that actually the Animorphs are doing really, really good work. Like they are actually having a huge impact in slowing down the Yurk invasion. But is that a true thing that would be accurate to this timeline or is it just part of the simulation? That's I don't a, know. That's a good goddamn question. And it, it occurred to me while you were saying that, that like the moral of like the whole thrust of Megamorphs 4, right, was um, what you do matters. It matters that you're participating because everything's fucked without you. And the moral, the thrust of this book is, hey, Jake, your OPSEC sucks, <laughs> which like big deal. We've been saying that for tens of books now. <laughs> <laughs> It was just sort of one of those things where it's like, I wanted to be able to gleam information from this book about the larger plot line. Because even the books, even in the other books where it was all just a dream, you can sort of, you can get information about where they're at and, and rely on it. But this book was full of information that I don't know if it was true or not, or just... Just simulation nonsense. I know, we were pretty fucking salty the first time we had a Senrio rip. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Still salty, <laughs> still salty, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, that's a good point. I might. We might have been salty about this anyway. Maybe if it hadn't come right after Megamorph Sword, it would have been a Krayak Elemist thing, and we would have just accepted it. Yeah, that's very possible. But even then, because the... The Illumist actually does do weird time manipulation. So if it were an Illumist book, I feel like I could trust the fact that the Animorphs are making an impact. But in this one, it's like, I don't know what the circumstances were mm -hmm. for this information. So uh, in this book, there is a, a really harrowing scene uh, for me personally, I think. Um, your mileage may vary in, in the sort of corporate office where Jake works, where he <laughs> has to go to some seminar uh, called Conquest Through Companionship, where they play videos and are like, stop, now what went wrong with this? <sighs> uh, and and what what could have been done better here to improve team cohesion? And I was like, Jesus Christ, I think that I think that the humans might have stealth conquered the Yurks actually. <laughs> Because, <laughs> wow, that's too close to home. Yeah, yeah. It's like whether, did humans tame wolves or did wolves tame humans? You know what I mean? It's like that. I also am 14 and high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so fucking funny. And it made me think about, so the idea that the Yerks and the humans have some sort of mental melding, or really the Yerks and any of their hosts, share qualities to a certain extent although you know that could just it could just be a higher life form we don't know that the hork also 
sort of impart personality aspects to each other, right? It might be a thing that's unique to humans. Um, yeah. Or I guess as we, we did talk about how we're never sure how much of Visser 3 is, is Aloran. <laughs> so it, it, it may be a thing that the hork they're just too naturally mellow to, uh, to influence in that manner. Yeah, I like that. But there was an interesting part in here where they they meet Jake meets a like a not even really a rebel holdout, just like a refugee camp full of people who are basically not good enough to uh, become hosts, which I thought was a really interesting idea because they this is something that's sort of been mentioned before, like when uh, with the Gafenelin uh, and Myrtle. Thou, how their bodies are dying or somehow unfit. So even though that they are Andalites and would be super useful to have, they, the Yerks just sort of leave them alone because they don't want to take them as hosts. And I think there's something interesting about the idea that even if you have a lot of Yerks without bodies, which we know they do on the home world, even then, you're being choosy about what hosts you take. I feel like there's an implication there that there's some sort of tax or emotional toll on taking a new host. So you don't want to do it all the time because maybe you're getting all of that influence every time you take a host. You know what I mean? I can see that. It, it sort of um, it reminds me of the trope about uh, people staying in relationships that aren't good for them because it's comfortable. And, and they're yeah, used to it. Yeah, it takes too it. much to start over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a grim way of putting it. But I feel like that's... <laughs> I feel like that's... There's something there where, like, it's not... It's it's more than just having a body. It's having a body that you're going to stick with for a while. Wow, this is really just about relationships, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a grim way to put it. <laughs> so i i think there's something interesting there i like the implication that maybe it is every time a year gets with a new host there is a, if something happens to the yerk like it's not an entire it is a mostly one-way street but it's not entirely to the point that not everybody is, is suitable this is an idea that we've sort of talked about before uh, in terms of the host affecting the Yurk, and it's it's consistent with things that we've seen in like the the Hork-Bajir Chronicles and Visser and uh, one other book that I'm not remembering right, <laughs> but it's definitely a thing that we've seen before where the host has some effect on the Yurk if they're there long enough. Yeah, to the point where in this fake, grim utopian future. Uh, the Yurks have supposedly developed a pill to help <laughs> deal with rebellious hosts, except one of the guys is like, yeah, the drugs don't work. Yeah, that was a very funny exchange. Uh, yeah, the idea that they have something that would suppress human consciousness, but also they don't. It's just a corporate lie. But I also, I mean, we also have that section where Jake meets a child who had been born after the Yerks took over and basically raised in a kid factory. Are you talking about the part where he slide he goes down a slide into a daycare underground with a yeah, with a big Brent. tree. Yeah. Brent. And then comes out of the tree. Yep, that is the part I'm talking about. I did say Alice in Wonderland is yeah, the summary. That's true. To you give did. It the, an accurate representation of this book. That is correct, yes. 
But I thought it was interesting that the, I mean, the Yorks are growing new bodies, even though, again, there are still bodies around that they could technically be taking. They're growing children and keeping them basically as uneducated as possible in order to make them more submissive. But they don't put Yorks in the children until they're of a certain age, right? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I believe 15. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Um, and that in, in and of itself was interesting because why? I mean, I appreciate like if it's an infant, you, you probably don't want that. But at a certain point, probably before the age of 15, a child is physically like stable enough to be a host. So it's weird to me that they don't take them earlier. Yeah, I mean, even when they're invading, the only like child hosts we've seen are strategic where they're either trying to cover up the fact that this child saw a thing, and that's for the the slightly older ones, or they're trying to influence the kid's parent. So it may be mm. a thing that the Yerks just don't like uh, being in the head of a kid. You know what? And I can kind of see that, because imagine that you're in the... Like, just constantly, you've got, I don't know, a five or six-year-old in the back of your head, uh, commenting on everything uh, that doesn't sound like a great situation <laughs> yeah actually when you put it like that it sounds bad yeah i mean it sounds very bad how many yurks do you think they lost to why 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 <laughs> why before they figured out nah this isn't gonna work nope 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, you make a really good argument. I was assuming there was something just instinctive or basic, but I think you've made it <laughs> the more accurate argument, which is that is annoying. Kids, kids are annoying sometimes. I mean, even adults like the that one guy managed to David Tennant managed to drive his yerk to the point <laughs> of murdering an English king via time travel before he did anything else just by constantly quoting a Shakespeare poem at him so uh, that was good that was good <laughs> um this book has a new alien uh the orf who are sort of orf. the <laughs> orf orf the uh <laughs> the sort of police force the the enforcing gang of the yurks in in New York, New York. <laughs> Say that again. New York, New York. Okay, uh, five more times, real quick. Uh, she sells seashells <laughs> by the seashore. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and they're like they have one big giant eyeball head with three mm. pupils that orbit around the middle, which is a pretty cool image, I have to imagine. Yeah. But also, their skin's entirely clear. Except for their their default organs, or uh, not default, their uh, decoy organs are colored. Yeah. And I, I just I have to imagine that the process of coming up with the orf involved the author staring desperately around the room that they were writing in, going uh alien, 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 and then their eyes landing on one of those clear uh, disassembly anatomy models and going, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> that one's a winner. Yeah, you know what? Sure, we'll do clear aliens with the organ. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think she... I, weren't they described as, like, humanoid, but with three legs? Yes. They have three yeah. legs. 
There you go. That's the alien for you. Boom. Two legs? Nah, three. Yeah. <laughs> three legs good. Two legs better. <laughs> uh, there's also... Uh, he he runs into all of the Animorphs here except Axe uh, in this book, I believe, because he, he runs into Bond villain Visser Marco. He runs mm-hmm. into um, disabled veteran Rachel. He mm-hmm. runs into... Um, Cassie, who has just become hardened beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he runs into Tobias, who just became a knocklet of axe, which is <sighs> deeply unsettling to me. There's a lot there that I don't even really begin to know how to pick apart. Yeah. Because he's like, he's like a full-grown adult Andalite, and he looks apparently just just like Elfangor. Spitting image of Alan Fangor. Yeah, just like his dad. And there's something really fascinating about the idea that he's using his uncle's DNA to fulfill his destiny of his Andalite body. There's a lot there. I mean, they do. And and I... Um, I don't know if this was Outline or if this was Ghostwriter, but it's the first time I've seen someone bring up the fact that Tobias has the lifespan of a hawk. The, in in the other book that Ellen wrote, it, it, Taylor does mention right. his shortened lifespan. That's like a whole big thing in that book. Okay, so in that case, it's definitely the Ghostwriter just having the same thoughts as us about like, well, wait a minute, how does this work? Yeah, which I actually really appreciate, because yeah. everybody else seems to be so chill about it, and they shouldn't be. You're thinking about it too Talks much. do not live that long. Don't think about it. But but yeah, so uh, the, the Jake just assumed that Tobias was dead, even though he kept hallucinating an elderly, skeletal, red-tailed hawk. Uh, and then Tobias is like, nah, yeah, I was going to die in my body, so I became uh, not an axe knothlet. <laughs> God. The most inconspicuous of hosts here in in New York, New York, because they've got <laughs> pens of Andalites too. Yeah, yeah, because they have conquered the Andalites too. Now that they have human bodies, right? And that's probably yeah. why he doesn't run into real Axe because real Axe spearheaded the invasion of Andalon. So then there's like a big set piece battle at the Chrysler Building. It is the Chrysler, yeah, Chrysler Building Moonrite, which is the name of my prog rock band. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> where Jake has to choose between, for, several times has to choose between saving Cassie from certain death and hitting the big, conveniently labeled red abort button and chooses Cassie and then wakes up. And then there's some voices that don't tell us anything really, except that we should ignore everything we read in this book. Right. Then he calls Cassie and asks how she was, and that's the last page. And I really had to double check to make sure I hadn't gotten like a misprint copy. Incredibly abrupt ending for like two pages ago, having had the reveal of disembodied voices discussing how these humans require more study. Yeah, he seems to take it in stride, which he shouldn't, because aliens fuck around with them a lot, and he should be maybe a little bit more concerned. I mean, he did just go through Megamorphs 4, so maybe at this point he's like, well, <laughs> this is going to happen every time I am exhausted. That's fair. He has earned being jaded. They just wait until I'm exhausted about this shit, and then they show up and shove me in an alternate timeline, and I just, like... <laughs> I just gotta fucking wait it out. 
Cassie, how you doing, babe? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Just wanted to check. No reason at all. Yeah. So this whole book was some sort of Highlander 2 nightmare. And uh, in the end, Jake escaped the Zima mines of planet Zeist. And uh, <laughs> then uh, nothing, nothing matters. And it's it's all normal. Is there anything else about this book you wanted to talk about? No, but we do have a couple of transmissions from Zero Space. Oh, cool. Okay. Lay them on us. Okay. So uh, we have one from, uh, they do not give a name. Uh, Hi, guys. I'm so excited that I finally caught up with you guys. I started listening to the podcast a few months ago, and after only two episodes, the nostalgia hit me too hard, and I couldn't resist (laughs) reading along. Now I only have to slash get to read one anorfs per week, and I feel like I'm on this wild journey alongside you. Loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Two things. Out of a huge list that I've been dying to say as I've been reading. You know those intros to the books that we all love where they can't tell you their last names, where they live, etc. because they'd be screwed if the Yerks found out. They clearly assume the Yerks are or might be reading what they're writing. But what Mm. about their most important secret of all? The fact that they're not even Andalites. They're screwed if the Yerks find out he's Jake's last name. But if they find (laughs) out she's just a human who's the daughter of that one TV personality, it's no big deal. (laughs) <laughs> my only explanation is something i'd like to propose to mctt which i assume is an abbreviation for more canon than canon which is perfect <laughs> yes the animorphs are actually writing all these as blog posts and they're too teenage to realize their mistake luckily our good pal hecate <laughs> catches them as soon as they're posted and deletes them so hard they travel through n-dimensional z-space and pop out as books in our dimension thoughts the funniest fan theory i've ever heard just the just the fucking idea that these books are like live journal posts yes live journals exactly (laughs) what i was thinking (laughs) god oh my god and hecate like every week she's like got it oh my god i got another ping from jake's email that he's posted another goddamn post (laughs) it's b-ball 22 at live journal <laughs> it's so good though i love this i love this yes thank you for this very good email and fan theory a plus 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 um the second one can have no explanation remember in book one when the yerks see cassie at the beach then track her down by name and go to her house then kidnap her and take her to the yerk pool to infest her then she leaves i remember but apparently the yerks don't They tried once, and despite revealing their entire operation to a teenage girl whose name and address they know, they are incapable of kidnapping the same human twice. Anyway, thanks for making this podcast. It's tons of fun. So I am going to give you an explanation, and it's the same one as the first. It's Hecate. Hecate erased Cassie from the Yerks database. They freed Hecate, if you recall, in book one, and then Hecate was like, well, cracks her knuckles, gotta go to town and make sure that they don't kidnap that person. I mean, it is a good point, because that, especially because that yerk pool was under the school, the school that Cassie goes to, <laughs> the school true. that she's a student in. Chapman knows. <laughs> Chapman was there. Well, I mean, if anything, that just leads back to our theory that one or both of Cassie's parents are controllers. And maybe they were like, we don't want to bother with Cassie. She's too young. We're going to take her parents. And we'll just keep an eye on her. But they're bad. 
it's just the Yerks that were in charge of taking keeping their eye on her are just bad at their jobs. Some of the Yerks are just bad at their jobs. The email reminder to re-kidnap Cassie is still sitting <laughs> at the very bottom of this Yerk's inbox, so they don't forget about it, but they definitely have not gone and looked at it in years. <laughs> Again, again with the relatable guilt. Right? <laughs> 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 um, Excellent. Okay, so our next, uh, our next zero. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, that was great. Our next zero space transmission is from Matt. Uh, Hello there, Brent and Jenna. My name is Matt, and I won't tell you my last name. Obviously. Good. Good call. Yeah. We're not. You cannot trust us. Uh, my wife might be a controller. <laughs> I'll only say I'm from Brazil, and I think the Yerks really took over here because nobody knows about the Animorphs, and our politics are going to shit. <laughs> well, again, relatable. Yeah, once again, relatable. <laughs> uh, anyways, I discovered the books when I was like 15, and sadly, they were only published in Brazilian Portuguese until book 14. Years later, thanks to the internet, I managed to read them all, yep, the whole stuff, in less than one year, and they really helped yeah. me improve my English. I love the series so much. Which is great. That's so good. That's awesome. It's yeah. so good. Uh, <laughs> I've just discovered your podcast, and I'm crazy happy about it. The points you guys highlight are great, and the whole talk is lots of fun. You see why I also love you guys and your podcast. Here in Brazil, I've never found anybody who has read the books, although I know there are some online groups about them. And it's a shame, because there's so much going on in KA writing. I was never really into reading fanfics, but I'm curious about your experience with them. Do you think you will ever do an episode about the best and worst you've stumbled upon? I'm now at episode 7 and listening nonstop. I hope to talk more to you guys in the future. Thank you for the podcast, and sorry for the long email. It's just so much to talk about. I look forward to them all and remember the whole saga. Keep up the good work. Best regards. Oh, thank you for the email, Matt. It was really nice. Yeah, we really love all of these. Yes, it's so it's so nice. So we really appreciate that. Fanfic episode? God. Yes. I don't see what, okay, here's the thing though. Are we gonna read a bunch of fanfic, Brent? We have to, is the problem. And <laughs> do we do if we? we do a fanfic episode, yeah, I feel like we do have to read the fanfic. Yeah, if we do a fanfic episode, yes. You're correct in the statement that you've made. However, <laughs> counterpoint. Okay, counterpoint. Let's hear it. <laughs> what if we didn't do a fanfic episode? That sounds like way less work. <laughs> Have you read any fanfic for Animorphs? Oh, Brent. Oh, Brent. Oh, Brent, you sweet man, you. Have I read any Animorphs fanfiction? <laughs> the answer to your simple question is yes. <laughs> yes. I read so much Animorphs fanfiction when I was a youth. Okay. All right. Do you do you have a favorite that you recall? I don't remember any of them. Cool. I, actually, <laughs> yeah. So there's the downside. I'm I'm tra I'm trawling my memory so that Animorphs was my first like fandom, mm -hmm. like online fandom cuz it, it was right around the time that my family got AOL. Search and AOL keyword Animorphs. Yes, I was a part of Animor or AOL groups that were Animorph role-playing groups. And I read a ton of Animorphs fanfiction on fanfiction.net, but I don't remember any of it. I remember getting into the Sailor Moon fandom later, and I can still remember some fa uh, Sailor Moon fanfics that I read. I don't remember any Animorphs fanfiction other than the ones that I wrote. 
are we gonna do an episode about those jenna <laughs> fuck do i get can to I read the jenna forms <laughs> can, 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 can i tell you um boy does that fan fiction still exist on the internet oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes i <laughs> I had, I had, I, I, my very first website was an Animorphs GeoCities website. Were you in a web ring? Oh, I was in a bunch of web rings. Right? Oh, this Absolutely is fucking yes. unfiltered China white nostalgia right into my veins. <laughs> Yes, yeah, and I, yeah, it, it's how I learned HTML and CSS, which would serve me a lot in later life. I still use those web design skills that I got making my fucking Animorphs website. Hell yeah. I remember how, how learning how to make frames oh. so that I could have a frame. Yeah. You're not allowed to do frames anymore. Everybody hates them. Yeah, they're miserable, but boy, did I know how to. Uh, and... At, do you remember a couple years back when they did the GeoCities purge, basically, when it shut down? Yeah, and GeoCities picked up uh, a, a portion of them to mirror? Basically, yeah, a whole bunch of GeoCities sites were picked up by a bunch of a bunch of different groups, actually, did the sort of archiving heavy lifting on that. And my Animorphs website was the one that they snagged at random. That's and now pretty it good. Exists I don't have any control over it. It's just out there on the internet. And somebody has that on their servers. And that's absolutely bonkers to me because that it's like if somebody had my diary and they had a copy and they didn't know it was my diary. It was just a diary that they found in like a used, uh, like a thrift shop that they bought and just put on their bookshelf and now it's there in this weird library, and anyone could hypothetically find it, except they're not going to because I'm not going to tell anybody any of the information of how to find it. I mean, that only seems weird to you because you're still alive. Wow, Brent. It's true. I literally was at a thing for the Historical Society of the town I live in, and they did uh, some readings of select entries from the journal of a young woman who had lived in the early 1900s when um when the town was young uh who was a prominent citizen here and nobody said hey why are you reading that dead chick's diary because nobody cares because she's dead so it only seems weird to you because you're still alive it's you've created a historical artifact that's a historical artifact in your time such a weird fucking situation I that was I really liked how you phrased that, Brent. It's very accurate and just so bizarre. <laughs> it's a weird age, and and I I would say that I will track down and disseminate your fan fiction. Except I can't even <laughs> find the yearly uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan pages that uh, me and my friend and his older sister made every New Year's. So, <sighs> uh, and there were like three or four of those. So I, I I just I I don't think I'll be able to find your shit. It's it's under screen names that I have not used in a very long time. If I can confirm that those screen names are contained, there's, <laughs> let me, there's, there's some other internet stuff Ooh. that I might have done under those screen names that I don't want to share. Fair enough. Yes, fair enough. So if 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 those screen names are sufficiently erased outside of this one fan site. I will consider sharing it, but I'll have to do a little bit of digging first. I mean, you have opened yourself to basically everybody 
tweeting you links to Animorphs fan fiction and saying, is this yours? <laughs> I will say it's not. I do not think it's up on fanfiction.net. Okay. Some of my Harry Potter fanfiction certainly still is, though. Woof. Woof. <laughs> no. Oh, bad. Shit. I should get on there and delete all that. <laughs> I should back. I should back all of that up on my personal servers and then delete all of that. Uh, I have a confession to make. Brent, tell me. I've never actually read fan fiction for like anything that wasn't erotic. Oh, that's interesting. So no, no, just casual fanfic. Not really. Oh. And I've never read any Animorphs fanfic at all. I haven't read any Mm. fanfic in years and years and years. I think only when I was a teenage horn dog. That's. Really fascinating. So you got into reading fan fiction when you were a teen. Was it because of the erotic nature? Absolutely. I wanted to see two characters <laughs> in a TV show boned down, so I would read about it. Excellent. And I wouldn't Excellent. say I got into fan fiction so much as just, you know, read it occasionally because... Mm, Willow. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> oh, Willow. Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing that, Brent. Yeah. So I don't have a favorite Animorphs fan fiction because I've never read any. Hmm. And I looked and I cannot find the raw HTML files of the storyteller system based Animorphs RPG I started to write <laughs> and then forgot about. So that's gone forever. Mm, oh, the internet. <sighs> what, a, what a fickle mistress. <laughs> anyway, fan fiction episode is something I would consider once we're done with the main body. Yeah. Just we'll have to talk about what that would be even. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know we do plan to occasionally drop something uh on this feed once we're done with the main series. Just not yeah, we'll like see. on a regular basis. Yeah, without there being just a book that we can read every week, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and I I don't think I have the stamina to just move on to doing the TV series every week. Uh, maybe we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it um also oh shit okay so on twitter did you have you been on twitter at all this week uh i've been here and there it's been a twitter's been rough recently yeah okay fair enough so this isn't technically a letter from zero space or a transmission from zero space but somebody tweeted at us uh this week that it is canon according to michael grant that Marco is by. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and uh, the, this ties into it. Uh, this person was who tweeted at us was um, surprised that we hadn't talked about how Marco might be closeted gay, and that's why he's so aggressively um, creepy at girls mm. to overcompensate when we did the, the last Marco POV book. And that's interesting, because I'd never thought about it, but I really like it. Yeah, it had never really occurred to me just because I've known so many uh, straight dudes who also do that behavior, <laughs> not as compensation, just because they're creeps. Yeah. Um, so that hadn't really occurred to me, but I'm actually really glad to hear that. I'm so, I am extremely curious about that shift. God, I'm so annoyed that that's probably never covered in these books. I, that's the fanfic we need to find. Yes. Yeah, I, well, do we though? They are teenagers. <laughs> adult, adult Marco coming to important realizations about his teen behavior. 
Okay, yeah, no. That is the that is the fanfiction we need to that would be a touching <laughs> little vignette. Yeah. Yeah. Then he calls up that person whose pool party he ruined and apologizes. Hey, you don't know this, but I was the rat that ruined it, and I was there to look at your bikini, and man, I am sorry. And she's yeah, like, I've you're grown who? up a lot after fighting this war. I don't forgive you. Go away. <laughs> Never talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saving the world, but also, nah. Nah, bro. Nah, nah, nah. Ugh. Okay. Uh, these, are, these are good books. Yeah, I, I love the Animorphs. <laughs> uh, anything else about this book in particular that you want to talk about? Nah. All right, cool. Then that'll do it for this week. Join us next week when we go over book 42, which is... The Journey. It is a Rachel POV. <laughs> it is a book about a small town girl living in a <laughs> lonely world who take the midnight train going anywhere. I did think about making a joke like that, Brent, when I looked up and I saw that it was called The Journey. And then I was like, nah. You can always nah. count on me to make the incredibly <laughs> obvious and terrible joke. <laughs> it's a good team we've got, Brent. <laughs> yeah, teamwork. Um, so join us for that one. Uh, thank you to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his theme music for our intro and outro. If you want to get a hold of us uh, with your thoughts or complaints or whatever... You can email us at fandalites at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at fandalites. We have a Tumblr, fandalites.tumblr.com. Uh, we really love to hear from everybody. Uh, as, as you could hear in the latest Zero Space Transmissions, it touches us when people like our stuff. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, you can find our website at fandalites.com. And until next time, remember, nostalgia is a drug. They have strangely segmented plots, terrible, amazing, and an ability to reconcile both. They will bear more study, these books.